What a world. Welcome to a new episode of the Brand New News Show, Wrestling Life. Like always on all podcast platforms, uh, Brand New News Show, social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Facebook, Brand New News Show, and of course, YouTube channel, Brand New News Show. You go there, subscribe, comment, leave comments, do everything, man. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Like I said, tonight is Wrestling Life, and it's a very special Wrestling Life. With Survivor Series literally next Saturday night, of course, Survivor Series War Games, I will be doing my rate and review show after that series, after that pit review, or should I say, prime live event, there it is, I will be doing my rate and review show right after that show goes off, so be ready for that, but until then, tonight I am doing my top 10 Survivor Series matches, I went and watched every Survivor Series, well, not every Survivor Series on the Survivor Series Survivor Series that I actually cared about because there's a lot of Survivor Series that kind of sucked very, very, very hard. Like, very, 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 very hard. They they, they kind of sucked. Um, so, I, the, I came up with a list of top 10 matches that I personally loved. And I hope you guys enjoyed this. You know how I do my top 10 list. I go from 10 to 1. You know how this goes. And then I explain why I loved each match the way it is. So, let's get into it. At number 10, it was short, but effective. At number 10, it is 2016 Survivor Series, the the last match of the night, Goldberg versus Brock. The return of Goldberg. Goldberg had been out of WWE wrestling, what, for like eight, nine years, some shit like that, 10 years, 11 years, some shit like, some shit like that. He had been out of uh, wrestling, I think, since 04, since WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, the 04, the old, yeah, 03, 04 WrestleMania, I think. I can't remember. Uh, yo, 04 WrestleMania, I'm tripping. WrestleMania 20 was the last time you saw Goldberg wrestle. So to literally see him come back in 2016 after, what, 12 years of not being in WWE and to come back and fight Brock Lesnar at that time who had already broke the streak. Beat the shit out of John Cena. <laughs> like, like to see him in that situation to go up against Brock Lesnar, they hyped it really well. Like this was the best time to do it. Like, like this was the best promoted match I've seen WWE do in some years. This was the best one. They promoted this bitch like, yo, you gotta watch this shit. Just to have us watch it and watch Brock Lesnar get absolutely squashed. And I'm going to be honest, watching that shit live on my phone was like, that's what it felt like. It was like, yo, Brock just, Brock just got beat and he didn't just get beat. He got his ass whooped. Like, yo, what the fuck? And that's what Goldberg was in WCW. If you remember Goldberg as a kid, like I do, Goldberg was that fucking dude. He get in the ring, spear, spear, jackhammer, go the fuck back in the backstage area about 15 seconds later. You'd be like, what the fuck? I just I just sat down. This motherfucker's gone already. It's over? What the, what the fuck is this? So to see him do that to Brock Lesnar of all people, fuck out of here. That was the craziest shit. It was literally a minute, well, a minute, a minute 26 was it, was it? This man literally speared him, speared him, jackhammer, over. 
the fact that Paul Heyman was crying. Oh, man. That shit was amazing. I'm sorry. That was one of the best matches I've ever seen. I was like, yo, what the fuck? It was more so of shock and suspense and just like, I don't think Brock is going to lose to Goldberg. But you also kind of like, I don't think Goldberg is going to come back just to lose to Brock either. So it's kind of like a, I don't know what's going to happen, but nobody expected Goldberg to come out and literally squash Brock Lesnar. Like that was, that's a risky fucking move to make in WWE at that time. That was a very risky move. The fact that they still did it and they did it the way they did it. Hey, man. Fucking amazing. Congratulations, because you got it right. Coming in at number nine. For a lot of people, they hope and pray this man is going to be back in his hometown, Chicago, for WWE this upcoming set until we end next Saturday. That is Phil Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk. And his match in 2011 at Survivor Series is actually the match that actually started the 434-day run of CM Punk. And that is CM Punk versus Alberto Del Rio for the WWE Championship. A lot of people forget this was actually the match that did launch his actual winning, the, the actual streak that he went on. The 434-day streak. The thing about this is CM Punk. Um, listen, man. I was a, I am a huge CM Punk fan. I've always been a huge CM Punk fan. I remember when he came to AEW. It was a great night. I was like, I can't believe this man is really physically back in w, in wrestling. That, that shit is crazy. Which, what would what, what top it is literally if he does show up Saturday. Now, I'm not like everybody. Else. I'm not like, he's got to show up Saturday. If he don't show up next Saturday, we're going to riot on social media. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm like, I'm cool if he comes back. I would love it. I probably would tear up a little bit. I'm going to be honest because I'd be like, this shit, I never in my life thought I would see CM Punk back in WWE ever in my life. But if he does show up in WWE next Saturday, I'm going to be super fucking happy. I am not going to lie. I might have to name the show and Punk is back, by the way. Like, I might have to name it that. Because it's like, yo, if he comes back, that is a moment. Especially where his rise to success and fame really kicked in. Chicago, his hometown. And like I said, this match in MSG. I think it was in MSG. Yeah. <laughs> in MSG in 2011, kick the reason for why CM Punk's 434-day run as WWE Championship was so significant. The match is actually really good. I know people will sit there and say, Alberto Del Rio, really? That, yes. Was he unsafe as fuck? Yeah. Was Alberto, is that Alberto Del Rio as a human being a piece of shit? Yeah. But let's be real, you kind of can say that about CM Punk too. It's kind of an asshole. But, this match is actually really good. In 2011, to see two guys that kind of had different styles but kind of mirrored the same situation, it was actually a really good fucking match. And I got to give them their proper respect for that match, man. It was actually a really good match, man. Um, and the funniest thing, that Sam Punk didn't even win the match with the GTS. He actually won the match with the Anaconda Vice. So it even makes it even crazier that he tapped him out and took the belt. So... 
you know, it was actually a really good match, man. It's one of those matches that I definitely, definitely have to give uh, general uh, respect towards. And like I said, man, if it wasn't for this match, CM Punk's legacy probably doesn't become the way it was at that time, good or bad. So, yeah. Coming in at number eight. Okay, so I move these two matches. I move one down, move one up. So at number eight is 2018 Survivor Series, which was champion versus champion. The dream match. A lot of people would say was a dream match that you wanted to see. Here's the problem with this, though. And this is why I think WWE kind of fucked up a little bit because... Okay, so I'm going to tell you the match. It's Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan. Okay, so this is why I feel like WWE kind of fucked up because Daniel Bryan had literally just won the belt that Tuesday on SmackDown. This is when they still had Tuesday nights live on SmackDown. And so watching them on Tuesday night and Daniel Bryan took the, you know, took the belt from uh, AJ Styles and kept them from fighting again, it kind of made me think, like, here's the problem with this. This is why I had a problem with it a little bit. I'm going to be honest with you. Because you didn't know if Daniel Bryan was a heel. I mean, he, he, I get it. He kicked AJ Styles in the nuts and took the belt. But at that time, you really still didn't know if Daniel Bryan was a fucking heel. He just did a hillish act. And that is true that you could kind of make up your mind and be like, yeah, that makes sense. But the problem with that situation was, is that, again, Daniel Bryan's kind of toying with Brock Lesnar in this match. kind of like fucking with him. And it kind of, it kind of, to me, it was, it, I love the match. I thought it was an amazing match. But at the same time, WWE kind of fucked up because I didn't know if the nigga was a heel or not. I really don't. Uh, at that time, he wasn't really a heel yet. He didn't fully heel turn. But in that match, the way he was kind of, you know, doing this thing, you can kind of tell that's what he was going towards. But, yeah, it was, it was, it's a great match. Don't get it twisted. It's a really great match. He kicks Brock Lesnar in the nuts to kind of get himself back into the match. Here's what I also got a problem with that is, like, a man that literally had to come back from having a concussion, <laughs> and he took that many German suplexes and got tore, thrown around all over the ring. It was like, God damn. But all in all, it was a really great match, man. It's at number eight on my list. And... Yeah. Coming in at number seven is the first Elimination Chamber. That was Survivor Series 2002. Master Square Garden. Wait, 2002 or 2003? Oh, shit. They was... <laughs> Yeah, it was 2002, 2002. I'm not tripping, I'm not tripping, because Shawn Michaels came back in 02. So, Elimination Chamber, uh, Survivor Series, first ever Elimination Chamber match. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Kane, Booker T, Chris Jericho, and Rob... Man, damn. To be in the first ever anything is an honor. Shawn Michaels, 
outside of Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker are the only two people I've ever seen literally being the most inventive. Like, the, they created these matches, and they were always in them. Undertaker with Hell in a Cell, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker in the first ever Hell in a Cell match. Undertaker buried alive, but Undertaker in the casket. Shawn Michaels, like I said, Hell in a Cell. Uh, the way they say that it was Shawn was in the first ever ladder match. Like, shit like that. Like, they create these matches just for these motherfuckers to show off. And the match, all in all, is amazing. If you actually watch it, it's really fucking good. Um... RVD and Triple H starts it all. Triple H literally gets cut open, like, immediately in the fucking match. So he's bleeding the entire fucking match. Um, Booker T uh, has an amazing time in his match. RVD does his thing. Chris Jericho is Chris Jericho. So, come on, let's be real. Kane is Kane. And Shawn Michaels is his second match back since being uh, out for the back injury. And he wins the World Heavyweight Championship. Like, that is such an iconic thing to do. And by the way, that is the only time Shawn Michaels has ever had a championship in WWE after he came back from his back injury. That was the only time he ever won the World Heavyweight Championship. Or even a WWE Championship. He had competed for a couple of the titles, but he's never won them. That was the only time he won a title. And then he literally told Vince that he didn't want to be the champion. He was like, yo, I don't, I, like, I appreciate you for giving me the title, but no, I don't, I don't want to be champion ever again. So for him to do that is pretty damn crazy. So, but the elimination chamber match, man, is, is still a thing to this day. They have changed the chamber clearly after they changed the chamber clearly after its success the first time they've changed it. Now, uh, the elimination chamber pay-per-view is now a thing. And if it wasn't for these six men starting this off, it probably would have never been a thing at all. And if it wasn't that Survivor Series, who knows? Coming in at number six is a match, like I said. I move one match down, move one match up. And that is this. Coming in at number six, it is 2021 Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre, champion versus champion. Drew and Roman have amazing chemistry in the ring. It's not that many people you can find that gives Roman to actually elevate his his game like Drew. Drew makes people elevate their game. I said this when I watched him at Crown Jewel versus Set. That was going to be one of the best matches, and it really was. Roman and Drew have amazing chemistry in the ring. Uh, the Clash at the Castle, all of the matches they've had. I think the even the WrestleMania thirty uh, six match sucked. I'm gonna be honest. no the WrestleMania thirty. Uh, Five match sucked. That was a terrible match. I mean, it was Roman's first real match back. That kind of was the thing, but it, it sucked. It was a terrible match. But the last couple of matches that they've had together against each other has been really fucking good. And this was one of those examples. Roman as the tribal chief, Drew McIntyre as the holder of the WWE Championship. Um, It really made Roman, like, step up to the level of, like, wow, he really isn't this Roman of the past. This dude could actually go in the ring and do some damage. It was one of the best matches, one of the best examples. Now, I know pandemic wrestling isn't everybody's favorite, but I actually, I actually think WWE had a lot of great matches in 2020 and 2021 during a pandemic. And this is one of those examples. That Survivor Series was incredible. Them two went out there and beat the living shit out of each other. 
actually, I think it was the two. I think this was 2020. I'm not. Yeah, 2020 uh, was when these two fought. Um, sorry about that. It's 2020 Survivor Series. Um, yeah, but these. Yeah, that match is amazing. It was an amazing match. I actually tell a lot of people go back and watch it. It was really, really, really good. It's fucking Roman speared this nigga through a barricade. <laughs> speared this nigga through a barricade, like. Oh man, this match was good. It was a good match. It was a back and forth. Uh, this 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 was the match that you would want for Roman all the time, which is you actually feel like somebody has a chance to beat him. The thing about Roman's character now, as people have discovered and realized, which I've always realized, is you don't feel like a lot of people are on his level, and you're making it worse when you have to cheat for him to make it seem like nobody's really on his level. But this was a perfect example of two champions trying to prove who is actually the better champion. And I think this was one of those matches, man. So that comes at a number six. Just missed the top five, but it's definitely in. Coming in at number five. Speaking of brand supremacy, in 2019, they actually did something that was right. What was that? They included NXT. And that is what the fuck it's coming in as. Number five is SmackDown versus Raw versus NXT. The men's elimination Survivor Series match. Those men in that match, man. If you actually watch that match fully and look at who was on an NXT team, every single one of them made the roster. Matt Riddle, Damian Priest, Walter, who is Gunther now. Um, who else was on the team? Fuck, Damian Priest, Walt Gunther, Matt Riddle, uh, Tommaso Ciampa. I forget the fifth fucking person. Oh shit! Oh, and Keith Lee, who technically is not no longer in WWE, neither is Matt Riddle. But that was a coming out party for the entire NXT roster. Like that was a hell of a pay per view. That was the best time to put all those guys on the same pay-per-view that I actually thought the NXT team should have won that shit. But when you watch that match in all of its entirety, it is an amazing fucking match. Randy Arden in the match, Drew McIntyre, uh, you know, Mustafa Ali, um, Chad Gable, who at that time was Short Gable. I don't know why the fuck they named that dude that shit. I have no idea. Um... <laughs> Vince McMahon, dumbass. Uh, amazing fucking match, man. That was an incredible match. Uh, when Randy Orton started RKO and every fucking body, <laughs> he RKO Matt, he RKO Damian Priest and got him out. Like he RKO, who else he RKO? He RKO Tommaso Ciampa. He RKO some people, man. That was an incredible match. Braun Strowman was in that match. Like it was, it was a, it was a really good showing of young talent in who was coming next into the into the company. And so, like I said, some of them made it, some of them didn't. Um, when it comes to success in the WWE, I mean, Gunther is literally the best wrestler in WWE, probably. And I don't mean probably. Like he is like. And then you have Damian Priest right now who is on the run with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Matt Riddle, of course, fucked up his own career 
and Keith Lee is in, in uh is in AEW. I wish he would actually go back to WWE because I actually think he would actually fit WWE now with Triple H in the regime and has the control. Keith Lee would do amazing things in WWE right now if he was in WWE right now. But um, and of course, Tommaso Ciampa is now reunited with Johnny Gargan uh Johnny Gargano and DIY. So hey man, a lot of them are amazing at this job, at this, and, uh, yeah, man, but that match was amazing, and the final ending of it is even incredible, like, if you watch that ending, Roman and Keith Lee, like, going back and forth, oh, that shit was so good, man, um, yeah, it tops all, it starts to, it's, it starts to, uh, top five of the list, I can't knock it, speaking of another match, I cannot knock, and that is Survivor Series 2000 and 17. Like I said, 2018 was Brock versus Daniel. Daniel kept AJ Styles from re- from fighting Brock Lesnar again. Well, guess what? This match is the reason why a lot of people probably would have said I probably would still want AJ versus Brock match again. Because 2017 was the first time the champion versus champion happened at Survivor Series with the new brand split. And that was a fucking classic. Oh, my God. One of my favorite matches I think I've ever seen. Like, Brock actually looked vulnerable. You know what's crazy? I, I, like, when you go watch, I heard Undertaker say this um, about uh, fighting smaller guys, smaller than him, and how it just made sense. And he could, you know, when he fought, like, the Kurt Angles and guys like that, he always knew how to help and push them further because Shawn Michaels and guys like that. So he always had his best matches against guys like that. And that's kind of what you can say about Brock Lesnar. His best matches come against Kurt Angles and CM Punk's and AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan's and Seth Rollins. Like, his best matches come against those types of caliber of guys because they can do all these things that Brock can kind of also do, which people don't fucking know. He can do that too. The man can fucking hit a, 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 a moonsault off the top rope. He can fucking do these things. A shooting star press off the top rope. He can do it. AJ and Brock at Survivor Series in 2017 was the best match you could have asked for if you're going to have champion versus champion. Like, that is the best match you could have asked for. Like I said, I've had some matches on here. Daniel Bryan and Brock. Roman and, 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 and Drew. But that is the best match I've seen since they went to this decision. That was the best match. Like, it was clear-cut the best fucking match. I had never seen two men that fit each other. They fit each other's styles beautifully. That shit was a classic. And, uh, yeah, it's at number four for me. Now, going back to 2016, man. I got to go back to 2016. The beginning of the brand split. Like I said, Brock and Goldberg was the main event, but before the main event was this match, and that is SmackDown Live versus Team versus Raw, which was the first brand split Survivor Series of the new, like I said, the new brand split. And on this SmackDown Live team, they had Dean Ambrose, is now John Moxley, AJ Styles, Bray Wyatt, rest in peace, Randy Orton, and Shane McMahon, which. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, and on Team Raw was Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Brian Strowman, Kevin Owens, and Chris Jericho. 
yeah, sign me the fuck up for that match. I'm in. Like, let's do this. What do I have to do to watch this match? Let's do it. This match was the if if they kept the brand split like this and they kept making the teams like this, I probably would be like, I understand why Survivor Series could be the big four. They fucked up somewhere. I don't know why, but they fucked up somewhere. Yes, I love the fact they went champion versus champion, take them out the brand split, take them out that particular matchup. But this was the perfect example of when you have your top fighters, your top guys on your respective brands actually prove that your brand is better. This was the best thing. It had an amazing match, had an amazing element. Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens pretty much showing you that at some point they were going to split up. Kevin Owens hitting Chris Jericho, hitting uh, AJ Styles with the list of Jericho. Remember the list of Jericho? Yeah. Um, Chris Jericho getting offended that he got hit. He was hitting them with the list of Jericho and got and took an RKO and got eliminated. <laughs> Shaman Man took a head of a spear by Roman Reigns in this match. I mean, that man got fucking cuss Like, that spear was nasty. Like, shit. That nigga, boom! His head hit that fucking mat and was like, what the God damn. He took a hell of a spear. The shield reunited for like a moment when Dean Ambrose came back and, and, <laughs> and helped Roman and set, put AJ through a table. <laughs> like, Set does another amazing jump off. Set doesn't jump off the top rope and RKO and Randy Orton catches him with an RKO and Bray Wyatt pins him. You know Roman spear. Randy Orton takes the takes the spear from Roman Reigns, which goes into the uh, sister Abigail from Bray Wyatt. Like this match was a fucking amazing match. Like if you actually go watch it, I watched this like three times just to make sure I wasn't tripping. This was incredible. Like oh my god. Like I said. They would have kept the brand split that way. I would have not have been mad. Like, this would have been a, a really good reason to why Survivor Series should be a should be in the big four, the massive big four of the WWE. It is that type of caliber. But, yeah. Now, let's get into it. Coming in at number two. I know, I know, I know. Y'all probably like, where the fuck is this match? Where's that number two? And that is... Excuse me. The Alliance versus Team WWE. Now, everybody remembers 2001. That is why I had to be like, hold on, wait a minute. 2001. <laughs> Early with the, with the Elimination Chamber. 2001 was the worst and best time for WWE, I guess, if you want to say it like that. WCW went out, of, went out of business because of WWE buying the company. But WCW also had too many goddamn people under contract that they were paying to sit their ass at home. So they had to incorporate ECW to the damn party. And that gave us the opportunity to see RVD in WWE. Thank the Lord. Because, let's be real, if you like me, and you grew up like me, you watched ECW on some access show like <laughs> some access channeled and like Tuesdays and Fridays and this shit used to come on and you used to watch it and it used to be blood and you're like what the fuck is this and you used to watch it and you used to love it and of course like everybody man RVD 
was your favorite ECW wrestler. Like, that was kind of obvious, man. Like, the man was fucking flipping out the ring into the crowd. Not like he was jumping on the rope and then flipping it. No, this motherfucker was in the ring, hit the rope, come off the rope, run and flip into the crowd. Like, you were like, yeah, I, I'm, I get it. I get it now. Mr. Monday Night. Got it. Yep. He's, he's that guy. That's what, he, that's what he does. You were a huge fan of RVD. So to see him in WWE at this time was amazing. Booker T, of course, was literally the only star attraction for WCW at that time. He was the five-time, five-time, five-time railway champion. So it made sense. Shane was also on this alliance team along with Stone Cold Steve Austin, which a lot of people don't remember that Stone Cold actually got his start in WCW and in ECW. And Kurt Angle, who also a lot of people don't know, also kind of sort of probably, well, he never got his start in ECW, but he was actually, he actually went to the promotion to see what ECW was about. So it made sense to have these two in an alliance storyline. Now, for TWWE, it would have been way better to probably put one of them in it, which was the big show with Chris Jericho, who really got their starts. Chris Jericho literally got his start in ECW in WCW. Big show who got his start literally in WCW. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird, you know, thing. But to say the least, um, this match was incredible, man. As a kid, 2001, yes, the storyline sucked. But at that time, you could tell me the storyline sucked. Like, it was fucking WWE, it was WCW, it was ECW, it was all three major promotions at the time in in, in America, in America, all on one channel. Like, you couldn't ask for nothing better if you were a kid. Like, ECW, WCW are going to team up to go against WWE? What? Let's do this. Yes, the storyline sucks now as I have gotten older, but at seven years old when this shit happened, uh, nigga... It wasn't bad. Like, it was just like, it was like, yeah, these matches kind of suck and they're stupid and they don't make any fucking sense. Totally. But <laughs> totally agree. But it's it's still something. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I looked at it, man. Um, <laughs> still something, man. Um, more so than that, man. Um, what also makes this match is Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman and uh, Jim Ross. They make this match perfectly, man. Uh, they, they're back and forth in this match, man. Especially with, like, uh, Kurt Angle tapped out to The Rock. And Paul Heyman was like, uh, like, the Kurt Angle is an Olympic gold medalist. He would never tap out. What the hell are you doing, man? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. How the hell are you going to tap out with my future on the line? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> that shit was amazing. Like, <laughs> that shit was so good. A lot of things that people also don't realize is that the final four of that match actually foreshadowed the last, the final four of the match of that that uh, match, the Lions versus WWE, actually foreshadowed what Vengeance was going to be in a couple of months, which was the Rocket, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, and Stone Cold, which crowned the first ever undisputed champion. So you actually looked at that match, and you actually realized at the time who got eliminated. Look at who got eliminated. Kurt Angle got eliminated first, Chris Jericho then got eliminated, and the Rock won the match by beating Stone Cold. 
So they t- pretty much did exactly the same shit. They just let Chris win. So it's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty crazy to see how that all played out, man. But yeah, man, it's at number two. I cannot knock it. It's nostalgic. I literally had the DVD. I, DVD shit. I had it on VHS. What the fuck am I talking about? I had that tape. Of my I think my dad recorded it for me and gave it to me. Um, but I remember that Survivor Series in 2001. I had that that video. I had that. So uh, I used to watch it every other day. So I used to watch this match like every other day. So yeah, it's one of the greatest matches. I do not have it at number one for a reason, and that is because it's just not the greatest match in Survivor Series history. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, Brandon, you're biased, or nigga, it just happened last year. I don't give a fuck. Because of coming at number one, it's the Bloodline versus the Brawling Brutes. War Games. I think I said it right, right? Did I do, did I do good? Okay, when this comes out, you're going to know. War Games. Okay. That match was incredible. I fucking gotta be honest. I've watched War Games when it was in NXT. They had some really classic War Games matches in NXT. But this was the best. Like, this shit was incredible. Now, I don't know if this year's War Games is gonna actually top it. Because I don't think they have the same element of the storyline. Like, they don't have the same element of storyline like last year's did. Like, the Bloodline was such a dominant fucking faction. And it was... So- his name about the Judgment Day. The Judgment Day still lose. Like the Judgment Day has not had a dominant takeover like the Judgment Day had. Like the like the Bloodline had. The Bloodline had Roman Reigns, who was the quintessential unbeatable fucking champion. Like he just didn't lose. You had an enforcer like Solo, who at the time didn't lose either. He had not lost a match at all in WWE since he had. Matter of fact, it was like. He had got there like a month or two before. Like, so he had never really had that many matches to begin with. Then you had, you know, the Usos, who, let's be real, is literally the greatest tag team probably in WWE history. And then you have Sami Zayn, who was, yes, such a, uh, he was just trying to be loved. He wanted to be loved so much. (laughs) But at the time, Sami, who was, yes, trying to be, you know, loved by the bloodline, but at the same time, he was, a dangerous wrestler as well. He can you can just not be aware of Sami Zayn. And on the other side, you have the Brawling Brutes with Sheamus, who is a former WWE champion. Hell, he's done every accolade in the WWE at the time. You know, you know, Ridge Holland and Pete Dunne. I refuse to call that man Butch. Pete Dunne hadn't hit the same success as all of those guys in that ring, but they were just as great. As those guys. And Drew McIntyre, who got screwed a couple of months prior at Clash of the Castle, which debuted solo. And also Drew McIntyre at that time was also already a two-time, uh, two-time WWE champion. And then you had Kevin Owens, who the Bloodline storyline had started to take shape as it was going to be him. And this is how it's supposed to go. The storyline was just amazing. Like, yes, the Lions versus the WWE storyline was not as great. It's not that great. The match is good, but the storyline sucked. You had, like, two WWE – you had three WWE people in the storyline. Like, it didn't make any sense. Like, the storyline – and like I said, now that you look back at it, you're like, oh, wow, this sucked. This storyline sucked. How the fuck did the WWE even have a reason to – 
have a battle for who goes out of business. That's just the dumbest shit ever. Of course, WWE's going to win that. But as a kid, you don't know that shit. But now, looking back at it, it's like, oh, WWE's going to win. Duh. <laughs> now you're like, oh, WWE's going to win. Duh. Like, you think the fucking the broken-ass WCW and, yes, somewhat ECW is going to really be WWE talent-wise? Get the fuck out of here. But this storyline mixed with the ability of what, like I said, like the fact that the bloodline was just that dominant at that time and they just never really lost. Because we forget the Usos didn't really lose around this time a lot. Solo didn't have that many matches. And when he did have matches, he won them. And Roman was unbeatable. Like, it still is. And so... The match was amazing, though. To see all the dynamics of how they were going to make this happen was incredible. And then, of course, the ending of the match is where it all really just put it into cinema. It made the greatest storyline probably ever. And that is the peak of the Bloodline storyline, which, let's be real, that is the peak of the Bloodline storyline. Sammy sacrificing his own friendship with Kevin Owens to help the bloodline win. He decided to say, fuck the friendship. These guys really do have my back. And I'm going to show them that they have, that I have theirs. He low blows Kevin Owens. Halula kicks Kevin Owens. And then sacrifices him to Jey Uso. The only person in the storyline that did not fuck with him. And then at the end of the night. When it's all said and done, Jimmy Uso hugs Sami Zayn and accepts him into the bloodline. That shit is fucking incredible. That shit is top tier legendary. I'm sorry. That's what made that storyline officially become the greatest WWE storyline of all time. Like, it took just, it took all of that. The fact that Sammy actually protected Jimmy in the match before Jimmy got Jay in the match before Jimmy got in the cage tells you a lot. Then when Jimmy got in the cage, Jay started being like, "Get the fuck away from my brother!" Like you, you, you know, we ain't a part of this. You ain't with us. But when he needed him, Sammy was saving his ass. Like every chance he got, he saved him. And even in the sense where Jimmy, where Jay actually kicks Sammy in the face, and then Jimmy's like, "Yo, what the fuck you doing? Why you kick him in the face?" And he's trying to go pick him up. He's like, man, fuck, man, fuck him. Let's go get, like, let's, 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 go, let's go handle this. It's amazing to see now how this storyline is because now Jimmy, now Jay and, and Sammy are about to be in a new, in a, this year's War Games match. And it tells you right there and there how crazy that is. And they're on a winning team, by the way. So it's going to be amazing to see. But for me, man, the Bloodline versus the Brawling Bruce last year, War Games match, it was pure cinema. It was the peak of the Bloodline. It's the greatest uh, storytelling match that I've seen in a minute. And it's at number one, man. So, again, that number one is the Bloodline versus the Brawling Bruce at War Games 2022. At number two is the Lions versus the WWE Survivor Series 2020, uh, 2001. Uh, number three is SmackDown Live versus Raw 2016 Survivor Series. Uh, number four is Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles, Survivor Series 2017. Uh, number five is SmackDown versus Raw versus NXT 2019. Um, 
And number six, Brock, uh, number six, uh, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre, 2020 Survivor Series. Number seven, Elimination Chamber, the first ever Elimination Chamber, 2002, uh, for the World Weight Championship. And number eight is Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryant in 2021. No, 2020, a lot of Jesus. 2020, 2017, uh, no, 2018 Survivor Series. Uh, number nine is Sam Punk versus Alberto Del Rio, WWE Championship at Survivor Series 20, 2011. And at number 10 is Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg 2016. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Like I said, next week, rate and review show Survivor Series. I will be back. Until then, I am Brian Genoo. This is Wrestling Life. Peace. Oh, when this comes out, leave me your comments on who you think I left off of this list and who should have been on this list and where do you rank all these matches to you till next time i'm brand new peace